Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again. In Western Australia, on the Air Highway, is Australia's longest straight piece of road that goes for about 140 kilometres. It's known as the 90-mile straight. And if you have a spare one hour and 20 minutes, you can actually watch on YouTube someone driving that road, the things they post on YouTube. Now compare that, that straight road for 120 minutes of driving to the Great Ocean Road. One of the great things about the Great Ocean Road is as you drive it, the twists and the turns, and you never know if you're doing it for the first time, what you're going to see, what amazing thing is going to greet you as you round the next bend. I wonder which of these two roads best reflects your relationship with Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have in spending time with you today and with your people. Whether it be here in the auditorium, those joining us on Zoom, or those that are joining us later in the week, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be your people in this place, in this time, wherever you have placed us. And Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday, we once again ask that you would move amongst us, that you would speak to us, that you would quicken in us a greater understanding of who you are and the work that you want to do in and through us. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. As you heard earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday, where the Christian calendar marks um, the a special occasion of the coming of the Holy Spirit. On that first Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost meaning 50 days, 50 days after Easter as we remember it. That on the 50th day after, after Passover in the Jewish calendar was the feast, uh, the feast of Weeks that was to celebrate the end of the harvest and God's goodness of that harvest season. It was a lavish celebration where people would once again flock back into Jerusalem to worship Yahweh God. And so it was in this setting that we find Jesus' first followers, a group of around 120 people that were gathering together in Jerusalem uh, when the experience of Acts chapter 2 takes place. The words from Acts chapter 2 that I'll be reading will be on the screen, um, and uh, I trust you can follow with me. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were de devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. 
and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Figria, um, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and uh, converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we are all here, um, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What could this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then, in verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, you will see, um, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As followers of Jesus and as a part of the Churches of Christ mob that we class ourselves as, we believe the Holy Spirit is co-equally God, often referred to as the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as I read from, uh, for us earlier in um, our time together this morning from John's Gospel, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, or the Advocate, as it's sometimes translated, is sent by the second person of the Trinity, sent by the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, to indwell, to enter into the life of every follower of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes on and moves in people at certain times and for particular reasons, whether it be to enable them to perform special functions, like in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 3, where some, um, some of the people were, were gifted by the Holy Spirit to be fine craftsmen in the building of the tabernacle, to enable, also to enable people to see visions to, or to speak um, through 
the Holy Spirit would speak through people uh, about things that were coming up in the future. But there is something different about what's happening here regarding the Holy Spirit at work from the point of view of Acts chapter 2, right up until today. The Holy Spirit is regarded as the deposit guaranteeing what will come in the future. The future promises of Jesus will all be fulfilled because of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, guaranteeing that Jesus' word will come to pass. The Holy Spirit is not only spoken about as the giver of gifts or spiritual graces, gifts that would also enable God's people to serve in special ways, from gifts of mercy through the gifts of healing. And if you would like to chat with me some more about what it means to have spiritual gifts and um, to help understand that a little bit more, I am more than happy to spend some time chatting with you about that. When we look at this passage, there is often an emphasis on tongues um, as a, a particular focus and that it's the birth of the church. And without a doubt, there is a special significant thing that is happening in people's lives in this passage. Even people with a strong Galilean accent, a thick Galilean accent, can speak fluently, so fluently, another language that those people that speak that, that were born and bred speaking that language, are able to understand and hear and know that they're talking to me. They were amazed. They were gobsmacked at what was taking place. And I'm more than happy once again to chat a little bit more about the whole aspect of speaking in tongues. But let me just draw a couple of quick things in relation to that. It's a gift that I believe is still active and valid for today. But for now, in the New Testament, there seems to be three different aspects of speaking in tongues that are described. Here in this passage, we see the, the gift of the Spirit, or speaking in tongues, as speaking in a foreign language that you do not know, but others do know and can speak and understand it. So I had um, a lady by the name of Pina that would come along uh, to our community lunches um, each week for a number of years. And she thought it was terrible that here I am with an Italian heritage and I didn't speak Italian. And so she would sit down with me each week and try and teach me Italian. And I was a terrible student. Um, but you know, for, in this passage, someone that doesn't know the language is able to speak that language fluently because of what the Holy Spirit was doing. Another way of referring to speaking in tongues is more like what I would class as praying in tongues. Some followers of Jesus find this helpful. It's like a personal prayer language that helps to connect them and deep within them to the Spirit of God, Yahweh God. Speaking in tongues can also be a prophetic word where someone um, stands up in a, in a church meeting, in an assembly, and they start speaking in tongues, and they, there's a, it's a prophetic message to the church of the day. And so you need someone to interpret those tongues to be able to help everyone else to be able to understand what God is saying. And we see evidence of all of these things in the New Testament and we still see evidence of that today. Churches of Christ has speaking in tongues as a part of our history. When, while the Holy Spirit 
has not given me this ability, and I'm okay with that. I believe it is still given by God as he so chooses, and it is wonderful to see it outworked. And while speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2 is a clear sign of God at work, it's a sign and it's not the substance. The substance or what is at the heart of things is really what matters. And it is God's Spirit being at work in the lives of followers of Jesus. So much so that there is a fantastic outworking in people's lives as a result. Once again, consider what's happening in this passage. 50 days earlier. Remember what was happening 50 days earlier from this time. Jesus was crucified and the disciples went into hiding. Over the next 40 days, Jesus catches up with them, telling them not to go back to Galilee, not to go back into hiding, not to head back to Galilee, but to stay in Jerusalem until the city is bursting at the seams again. People would have travelled hundreds of kilometres um, to be in Jerusalem for this festival period, for the Passover, and then maybe going back out into the outlying areas, staying with um, other people or in motels or whatever it might be, in guest houses, to, to stay with people uh, until this next festival took place. Many would have stayed in the surrounding countryside rather than making that, that several-week journey back as far as going back down to Egypt or even back to Rome. It's also remembering, worthwhile remembering, that the mob mentality was still a part of the, the Jewish psyche um, of, as far as people go. That same mob me mentality that the religious leaders were stirring up that saw Jesus crucified was still there in people's lives. These people were probably, those people that were calling out to, to crucify him, crucify Jesus, were probably still in Jerusalem at that time as well. Now weave into this Jerusalem scene, Peter. Just 50 days ago, Peter was warming himself by the fire and he was asked if he was a follower of Jesus. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. And he emphatically denied it, even knowing who Jesus was, despite the thick Galilean accent that gave him away. A couple of days later, Peter was in hiding with some of the disciples behind locked doors, fearful of what might happen if they ventured out into the streets and were seen by the crowds and the religious leaders. He was identified within the group of followers where some still doubted if Jesus was alive. Now we find Peter taking hold of who God has created him to be. We have Peter who has spent time with Jesus, taking on a restored relationship that was offered to him by Jesus. We have Peter who has the Holy Spirit fill his life and he becomes enlivened, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. So something even more impressive than speaking in tongues takes place. Peter steps up and he steps out. He's prepared to nail 
his colours to the mast to say, I am with Jesus. I'm not going to hide behind closed doors. I'm not just going to be one of those people that, you know, go off to the countryside. And I am going to declare, not just myself, but with others as well, that we are followers of Jesus. But even when I am in the thick of things with genuine fear, prepared to step into a situation where there is no guarantee of result, Peter had no idea how the crowd was going to respond. But Peter steps forward and declares, I'm with Jesus and you can be with Jesus too if you call on his name. Absolutely. Speaking in tongues, the rushing of the wind and the flames of fire are all fantastic and beautiful things to see happen. But when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, living your life well in Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit, then the example of Peter as, and the other disciples in stepping up and stepping out and declaring, I am with Jesus and you can be too, is the real work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. And in light of this, it isn't surprising when Peter writes later on to followers of Jesus in 1 Peter 3, verses 13 to 16. Now, if you want to, uh, if, if people want to harm you, sorry, let me start that again. I'll just put my teeth back in. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Can you hear the echo of Peter's life ringing out in these words? And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Today, I stand before you, a wannabe garbo. You've heard me talk about, you know, when I was a, a kid, what I wanted to do in, um, as a grown-up for work, I wanted to be a garbo. I just thought it was a great life to lead from my side of things, maybe not from the garbologist side of things. I stand before you as someone who, in my final year 12 exam, failed four of my five subjects that I sat. The only one I passed was industrial arts. But I am walking testimony of the change that the Holy Spirit can do in a person's life. I was the class clown. Mary might say that hasn't really changed. Um, but I was the class clown. I was the one that when the teacher walked out of the room, I'd pull an orange out of my bag and throw it up into the whizzing ceiling fan and see it spin across the room. Yet over the years of following Jesus, I found myself volunteering in the church more when Mary and I were asked by um, a person that we know and love dearly, uh, Trevor Newell, um, he asked us to head up the Beerwell Youth Group 
up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, empowered by God's Spirit. I just felt as though I wanted to spend more and more time serving God in different ways. So I went off to Bible college with the support of Mary and the church. And I not only went to Bible college, but I also passed all my subjects at Bible college, um, which was a miracle as well. I then went on to do a bachelor, uh, not only doing my Bachelor of Ministries and a Graduate Diploma of Ministries, but I've also gone on to do an MBA, a Masters of Business Admin. This is not something that I could just do myself. This is God's Holy Spirit at work in and through me. And yes, my heart rate still does go up a notch or two when I come and stand before you and speak on a Sunday and you'll often, well, you'll, hopefully you won't find me, but um, you'll, I'll often have to go and do a nervous twinkle in the toilet before I come out for the Sunday morning service. Um, but it, it is God at work. God at work. The Holy Spirit at work. Following Jesus and being equipped and empowered by the same Holy Spirit that was at work in Peter and the other first disciples of Jesus. And when you're open to and ready to be prompted by and respond to the Holy Spirit's call on your life, it is so much like driving the great ocean road where you just never know what amazing thing is going to be around the next bend. Earlier today, I asked you about fears. Um, I asked the church family and those on Zoom about what they fear. And if you're listening a little bit later, I, I wonder what, what you might fear yourself. But if I can be a little bit more specific, when it comes to following Jesus into all the world of your life, what do you fear? How might these fears be holding you back from fully following Jesus and being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit? Is it a fear of what people might say? A fear of saying the wrong thing? But what is it that you fear? Sure, the Holy Spirit at work in you might bring rise to signs like speaking in tongues. But signs are no substitute for substance. The substance of following Jesus comes through inviting the Holy Spirit to be at work in and through us. Not unscrewing a cap in the top of our head and pouring a little bit more Holy Spirit in and then screwing the cap back on as if we need a top up. The Holy Spirit is fully in, inside, fully resides in every believer. Completely. There is no topping up needed. What's needed is more of a relinquishing on our behalf to the Holy Spirit being at work, saying, Holy Spirit, I'm prepared. Help me continue to give over more of my life to you. Being prepared to step up and step out. The Holy Spirit empowering and equipping us to live our life well as followers of Jesus. To overcome past fears that take hold of us as we want, um, as Jesus wants us to live our life well. To live our life to the full as people willingly 
to openly declare, to nail our colours to the mast and say, I'm with Jesus and you can be too if you call on his name. Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time once again in your word, as we, we allow it to soak into us, Holy Spirit, would you continue to quicken even now what you, it is that you're wanting to say to us, how you're wanting us to respond to you today. It's a privilege to have this time together, Lord. And I ask that you continue to do an amazing work of outworking your power, your enabling in our lives, in this church, and in the people that gather around this message, wherever they might be. Amen. So how might we respond? Well, I've got a couple of questions and one of these might resonate with you a little bit more than the other and I invite you to respond to whatever that might be. There's a response card there or once again, if you're on Zoom, you can feel free to use that chat function. But when it comes to following Jesus into all of your world, what do you fear? I encourage you to name that fear and to commit that fear to Jesus today. Ask the Holy Spirit to be at work in you to overcome this fear or these fears. And pray for opportunities, just like Peter had, to see your life transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It may not mean that you come to the front and you preach um, on a balcony or anything like that to your neighbours. It may not be that. But it may be being prepared to be open to having a conversation with a neighbour, a relative, a friend. It may be by being prepared to be open to taking new risks, facing some of those fears for, for the sake of the gospel. When it comes to following Jesus into all the world, what do you fear? Ask the Holy Spirit to be at work in you as you overcome this fear or these fears and pray for opportunities like Peter to share your life transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. There's going to be some music played, and as it is, I invite you to take those response cards. Take this time to respond to